Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Chargers Podcast Network. Uh, if you're a little confused today, we are obviously not Chris Harry and Matt Money Smith. My name is Stephen Hagland. This is my co-host, Tyler Shoon. We are the Guilty as Charged Podcast. We are not uh, replacing those two, so you will still see uh, those two coming on your feeds later this week. Instead, we are uh, adding to the Chargers profile, if you will, on YouTube, all podcast platforms. And we are so stoked to be here. Uh, we could not be more grateful and honored to the Chargers organization and social teams and production teams to uh, having reached out to us about this idea, you know, a couple of months ago. And uh, we're going to give it everything we have. You know, this is going to be a great new partnership for us. And uh, if you're familiar with our work, you know, welcome back. If you're not, hopefully you stick around. You know, this is something that is a huge opportunity for us. And uh, we can't wait to dive in. So, Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing today? I mean, shoot, Steven, we're here on the Chargers YouTube network and their podcast feed. I'm feeling pretty darn good. I can't believe this is a thing. Uh, in January, when there was this idea of a, of a partnership, we figured, cool, so like we'll get to interview maybe another guy or something every once in a while. Um, and that will definitely still be the case. <laughs> um, but when things were outlined to us about what this was going to be, uh, you and I, I think we had pretty good poker faces during the meeting. Um, <laughs> but after school, I called you like, oh my gosh, you can't even Yeah, we were freaking out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely, it was, this is really a, a dream come true. It, it's going to go on my Mount Rushmore of accomplishments next to getting married, getting a diploma, having kids, um, and then chargers uh, on their podcast feed. I, I can't believe this is a thing. And again, thank you to the whole organization and everyone for getting behind us and making this work. I mean, what we have in store, what we have planned, the kind of things that are coming down the pipeline, uh, it's going to be pretty spectacular. This is new. This is different. It's kind of unprecedented for the Chargers really to have this kind of access for. I mean, who are we? I don't know what we're doing here. Did someone lose a bet? Um, but here we are. Like, I, I can't believe this is happening. And I'm so excited to do this moving forward with the Chargers and, of course, with you, Stephen. Stephen, how are you feeling? I'm doing great. I'm a little, uh, there's a lot of nervous excitement energy today <laughs> as opposed to our normal episodes, but, um, you know, this is a big deal for us. And obviously this, uh, would not be possible with all the support from our, um, loyal listeners over the past four years. Um, and just, you know, we've been able to build a, a really strong community that way. So cannot thank you guys enough for, uh, you know, supporting us along the way. Um, as far as uh, our end goes, nothing's going to change really. Um, essentially, one episode of ours a week is going to be here on the Chargers feeds. Um, the rest of everything we do will still stay on the Guilty as Charged podcast feed. So uh, if you're new, please go subscribe to that uh, wherever you find your podcast, whether that's here on YouTube or whether that is on Apple, Spotify, or Stitcher or wherever. We are available wherever you can uh, find a podcast. And definitely be sure to subscribe to the Chargers uh, YouTube channel as well. You know, that's obviously the big focus here for us is being able to kind of partner with them and continue to grow their presence on YouTube. So definitely go check that out. Turn those notifications on make it, and make sure you are not uh, missing anything. So um, before we get started in our first show on the Chargers channel, we do have to say we are fans. We are not employees of the Chargers. Um, our opinions that we express every single Tuesday are not reflective of the Chargers organization themselves. So um, we are going to be, do our best, obviously, to provide honest and objective analysis as we have the last four years. Um, sometimes that might be a little bit of a disagreement with, you know, how a Chargers employee might feel. Again, we are not employees. We are 
uh, independent podcasting fans just here to provide some additional content. So our our opinions are not reflective 100% of the time of the organization. So um, that being said, we are uh, two days away from the draft as you guys are listening. So this is going to be uh, essentially the, the, the bow on our pre-draft coverage. So we've done a ton of uh, position rankings. We've done a few mock drafts. Um, we've done some individual prospect profiles over on our on our own channel. Uh, Tyler and I have each graded around 150 prospects in this draft class as we put in a ton of work watching film, watching all 22 coaches tape to be able to provide this kind of content. So uh, this is, like I said, this is our bow on the pre-draft coverage. So what we're going to do today is talk about some my guys, some players that we are really pounding the table for, not necessarily for the Chargers, but just uh, some players that we really have grown to uh, love their games throughout this process. And then we are going to do a mock draft exercise uh, after we cover that kind of topic. So um, we're going to try and attack that angle, predicting who the Chargers are ultimately going to select on Thursday night. So Tyler, we'll start with you, man. We're going to do offense, defense, and then we can do a wild card if you want. Um, who's an offensive prospect? Let's say outside of your first round grades that you are pounding the table as a my guy in this class. It has to be that the guy that's been one of my favorites this whole time that I've mock drafted to the Chargers, and maybe I won't today, but I've mocked him to the Chargers no fewer than 137 times, and that's running back Ty J. Spears out of Tulane. When we start evaluating prospects, we, we tend to look at a numbers-based approach first. I tend to like to set up our composite, you know, stats-based per-play yep. rankings, and, and Spears came in at number one on those rankings, but... That doesn't always mean that that player is the best player, right? There are several players. Like last year for wide receiver, it was Jareth Stearns out of Western Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Didn't go in the first round. You know, didn't go in the second round. I believe he was undrafted and went to the Bucks. So it doesn't always mean that they're the best player. And I certainly don't mean that Spears is the best player either. That's one B. John Robinson at his position. But Spears stood out. So I started watching him after B. John Robinson because of his ranking and man, he just lived up to those numbers. And not every guy does. Spears did. And, and, and just the numbers in general, 63 missed tackles forced, over 1,800 scrimmage yards, um, almost seven yards per carry, 19 touchdowns, 1,300 of those yards after contact or after the catch, which is yeah. absurd. Um, we had Arjun from Pro Football Focus rank college backs based on their, their translatable stats from college to the pros. And Spears was second. Um, he's a second in explosive run rate. Obviously, he's first in our stats based composite rankings as well. Uh, he's just fantastic. And he's, he's aced every bit of the process along the way. Loved him then. And then he just did great at the Senior Bowl. And then at the Combine, you know, he's not the biggest guy, of course. He wouldn't test really great there. But the other measurables were really, really solid as well. So you watch him on film. You watch him in the numbers. You watch him with the analytics. Everything about him just screams, this is a really solid, safe prospect overall. There is a caveat there because there's kind of a buzz or rumor floating around about some medicals being a bit off. Um, I don't know really anything about that. I can't really speak on that. Um, But Spears, until that started dropping and and coming out, Spears was my RB2, which was crazy because a lot of people are saying that Jameer Gibbs is like very close to B. John Robinson. And I disagree there. Um, but no one really has Spears RB2. I did because I, I love watching this player so much. I love him so much, and he's such a my guy that even watching him dismantle USC, the team that I root <laughs> for, 
even watching that, him dismantle the Trojans to 12.1 yards per carry and 219 total yards and four touchdowns. Even with that, I could step back and go, all right, yeah, he's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, we're big fans of Ty J Spears on this show. I think we've, uh, like you said, mocked him uh, on each of our shows, on each of our mock draft episodes. He's been uh, selected to the Chargers. So, um, you know, we'll see ultimately what happens with him, you know, in terms of the medical situation. But, you know, on tape, from a numbers perspective, from a senior bowl perspective, which we know uh, is a big deal when it comes to how the Chargers really evaluate these prospects from uh, outside of the top 50 and beyond. So Ty J Spears outside of the medicals checks a ton of boxes for us. And I think for the chargers, uh, if they're able to, you know, get him in range. So um, for me, one of my uh, favorite position groups in this class is the interior offensive line group. Um, you know, it, it was a position group that I felt like I could watch like probably for a, an entire week itself, just because I, I kept finding like, these quality prospects to watch. Obviously, I'm a University of Utah alumni, for those who know. So I could talk about Braden Daniels. I feel like that's an obvious choice. So uh, instead, I'm going to go just up the road from the Chargers facility and talk about uh, one John Gaines from UCLA. Um, somebody that really checks the versatility box that I think the Chargers are particularly looking for. So again, these guys are not necessarily like these are pounding the table for the Chargers, but I, I think for these two, at least it, it works out so far. Um, so John Gaines has experienced uh, starting games for the Bruins at right tackle, left guard, and right guard. And a lot of people think that his best position could ultimately be center. So there's a lot of you know position flex for him, which I know uh, Brandon Staley has really put an emphasis on, as we saw obviously with Jamari Sawyer this past season and guys like Will Clapp, etc., so from a, a film standpoint, I love watching him work. I think he's got, you know, high level athletic traits in terms of his length, in terms of his explosiveness, really able to get off the ball and get to the second level, execute reach blocks at a really high level, which are super important um, in the kind of zone schemes that we know Kellen Moore are going to want to run. So um, there's this very specific short shuttle number. Um, that Josh Norris and uh, Hayden Winks have have been able to kind of do some mm -hmm. research over that underdog fantasy sports. And, um, you know, every single offensive lineman who has hit this short shuttle number has basically gone on to be a long-term starter in the NFL. And John Gaines is the only uh, interior offensive lineman from this class to hit that number. So it's kind of a cheat code to get somebody who can really be <laughs> explosive off the ball like that. And then I, I think there are some technique things that you have to consider for, for cleaning up. I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, a second round guard by any means, not talking about a guy like Zion Johnson, but mm -hmm. for the chargers, for a team who wants, you know, a fourth round guard who can be a swing player right away, maybe be a long-term center, I think would check a lot of boxes. So John Gaines, I'm a big fan of his work, you know, from his tape. And then I think, you know, his RAS score as well from an mm -hmm. athletic profile is is definitely one to really like in this class he's awesome and i think in terms of yards run during a game he's next to wide receivers i think that, <laughs> that, that can move he works all down over the field sure. yeah absolutely uh fantastic I, I, i'm at a, i'm curious i think everyone seems to like him and i think the numbers are great and i think that the ras is great and the film is solid why do you think he's not higher on let's say the consensus board than he should be yeah that's been a puzzling one i think um, after the combine, he, sh he certainly shot up PFF's board. I think if you mm -hmm. go on to PFF's simulator nowadays, he's, he's probably a third round, fourth round pick. 
Um, but you look at the consensus board, he's certainly down down the ranks, which I don't necessarily understand either. So mm-hmm. um, maybe it's, you know, he plays next to Antonio Mafi, who's another guard as well that I think could make a lot of sense for the Chargers. He's a little bit more splashy, a little bit more physical, maybe kind of getting a little, a little bit overshadowed by his own teammates. So that could be something I think could be working against him. But I think mm-hmm. people who really, you know, have watched a ton of tape, as we know, the, the Chargers – coaches and uh, scouting staff have I think John Gaines will be able to stand out for them so I ultimately do think he's going to be like a fourth maybe late third round kind of player for them yeah I could see that in that third round comp pick sort of range and the guy I want to talk about for defense I feel I could fall in that range dude that late third round comp maybe fourth round and it really just comes down to the the size thing and that's Travius Hodges Tomlinson the corner out of TCU as my defensive my guy if that name sounds familiar, that's Ladanian Tomlinson's nephew. If you're feeling old now, uh, <laughs> welcome. Join the club because yes. I got to watch Ladanian Tomlinson's nephew in his senior year of college on film this year. And it was really a tie between you know him and Marvin Mims for that kind of my guy. The guys that play above their weight class and outside of their, their physical frame. And he's really Wolverine out there to me. And that's kind of also partially the, the height thing. Although I think Wolverine is 5'2", I believe. Someone nerdier than me will definitely Wow, we, we got a Wolverine one. reference on the show today. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, won't talk about Michigan. I don't like them. But we can talk about um, Wolverine, the MCU character. But an absolute animal against the run on short passes. He's so instinctive. He's so quick. He attacks everything in front of him. But then in coverage, he's got that whopping 28 passes broken up and five picks the last three seasons, and really at all points of the field. There's definitely some risk-reward there with him. Uh, Part of that is him as a prospect and his physical profile and the way he plays. And, okay, there's 14 penalties in there too. But you know what? He's still a my guy even with those penalties. (laughs) Um, He's still only allowed, right? The reward of that is that he only allowed 34% of the passes to be completed his way for a passer rating of 42.5. And again, I talked about the numbers, the play style, the way he plays the run. They have him as a box safety sometimes, taking on tight ends, taking on pullers. This is a guy that's 5'8", and not exactly you know, going to show out in the physical prototype you know, in terms of size and weight and that sort of thing. And yet he's out there doing some very, very difficult things that someone his you know, quote-unquote size really should not be asked to do, but he was doing it. So I loved watching him. I love the way he plays. Definitely risk and reward there. Not a guy who's going to go in the first or second round, but I had a ton of fun watching him. And hey, how many times do you get to watch a Tomlinson on film for college? You know, not many times. Yeah, we, we got to watch uh, Lithuanian's uh, nephew in a couple years will grade Antonio Gates Jr. So, uh, you know, definitely uh, uh, feeling old when I saw that tweet come, uh, come across the timeline from there from Michigan State's <laughs> uh, spring game. So um, you chose a corner. I'm also going to choose a corner who I'm significantly higher on than, than most people, it seems. And that's Darius Rush from South Carolina, um, a former wide receiver at South Carolina. So he actually did not play cornerback. Um, basically he played corner as a sophomore in high school and didn't play it again until he was a junior at South Carolina. So there's not a ton of reps to him. And typically when you, you get a cornerback prospect who is a former wide receiver, 
you know, there's a lot of mistakes in terms of, you know, coverage penalties or, you know, not being able to match routes at the, at the highest level, or maybe there's some, um, you know, tackling woes. Cause we know wide receivers are, are not typically the most physical guys, unless you're talking about like a Drake London or, or, or somebody that really wants to, you know, go at you. And that's just not the case with Darius rush. And, you know, his teammate Cam Smith is getting a lot of hype, and I think deservedly so. But I think when you watch Darius Rush, you don't see the kind of mistakes that you see with these other kind of cornerbacks. Um, and he was second in the class in terms of fewest penalties. He was fifth in the class in terms of uh, forced incompletion percentage. And so there's a lot to like here from a an athletic profile standpoint from a numbers standpoint and also from an upside standpoint like i said this is a guy who has not played cornerback for very long and he was already you know a a top tier cornerback in the sec um he went down to the senior bowl and a lot of people who were there um, uh, have kind of said that he was the best cornerback of the week that week so um you know we really see him on tape be uh i want to say i want to describe him as, as like a junkyard dog somebody who's just really mm -hmm. always fighting for every single rep uh, because I think he knows that he has some ground to make up from these guys who have played cornerback for, you know, seven, eight years of their lives. So um, Darius Rush is somebody that I I could really see, you know, sneak into the second round in this group. We've we've talked on our show uh, how stacked this cornerback group is. Um, and Darius Rush, I think, you know, when you're when you're kind of looking past like cornerback five, I think you're looking at some guys who maybe have some some uh scheme question marks you know like Akili mm -hmm. Ringo from Georgia might be best suited in like a cover three uh press man system or or you know you might be looking at somebody who's like exclusively a slot corner like my guy Clark Phillips in the NFL but Darius Rush can do a lot of different things and you know he even took some reps at safety at South Carolina too for good measure so I love the effort that he plays with I love how few mistakes he he is able to put out on tape and I think there's just a ton of upside because of his lack of experience at cornerback. So uh, Darius Rush, definitely somebody I'm higher on than most people out there. Yeah, I did not realize that Darius Rush had that history of being a wide receiver first and then converting from there. That's that's great. I think we both had Rush over Smith, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's tough when you have two guys on the same team. Sometimes you might prefer the guy who doesn't always cover the number one because you know he's covering the number two. So maybe things are easier, but... sure. Watching all the games of Rush, man, like he was able to do so many things so well. I mean, he just went through the list of all the different things that he could do, whether it's a run, whether it's in coverage, whatever. And there are some guys um, in that range, like you said, like Ringo. Um, maybe you're looking at like a DJ Turner, who is a great athlete, of course, but then maybe there's some concerns about where he plays. Does he play outside? Does he play inside? Are you worried about the height? That sort of thing. Someone like Rush, if, especially if he falls to the third round, someone I'd love for the Chargers. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Tyler, one more quick one here. Uh, another player you are pounding the table for in this class. That would be Penn State's G.I. Year Brown. When I saw him line up in a three-point stance and take on a pulling <laughs> guard against Michigan and drop the running back for a loss, I went, yeah. that guy, that's the best thing I've seen all year. Um, and then he, cover your ears, Stephen. I know, I know. Utah. We got to talk about it, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah got to talk about it. <laughs> Embarrassed Utah's right tackle uh, for a sack. That was incredible. Knocked Cam Rising out of the game, which I'm not condoning. I'm just saying. I'm not saying that's a good thing. <laughs> um, but then picked off the backup two plays later. Like He is so much fun to watch. Not exactly a physical prototype at the position. Although he's listed as a free safety, I think he's better as more of a strong safety, closer to the line of scrimmage. And if you run his RAS at strong safety, it goes up from like 50th percentile to like 67th. So, you know, hey, give him that. 
but he was a ton of fun to watch. He's so good at the line of scrimmage, 15 pressures, five sacks, 27 run stops last year um, to pair with 10 interceptions the last two years. I really like watching him. I love the way he plays. Again, safety lines up in three-point stance, takes on the pulling guard and drops off a running back for a loss at the goal line. You really can't find anything in the draft that's like that at safety. And there are a lot of guys in this class who, you know, people like them for different reasons. But I think almost overall with all these safeties, most of them aren't that great against the run or they're not great tacklers. And I think Brown, just watching him, I don't recall exactly what the numbers are, but just watching him, he's one of those guys that is excellent against the run playing in that box. I loved watching him. Brown is one of my guys. Yeah, definitely uh, like him as well. I did not rewatch the Rose Bowl. Still have not done that. I don't think I ever watched a one. <laughs> um, all right, my last one here uh, is going to be Purdue tight end Payne Durham. Uh, you know, this tight end class is absolutely stacked to the brim with quality playmakers. We will probably see at least two of them be first-round picks uh, in Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mayer. And I specifically want to talk about Payne Durham because to me, a lot of what you uh, hear NFL teams talking about in terms of like NFL draft is like, well, if we miss out on this player earlier, who can we get later? That's kind of similar. And to me, Payne Durham is like your discount version of Michael Mayer. Somebody who is going to be your typical inline, physical, dirty work tight end, but can also do a lot of the receiving work as well. You know, we saw uh, about 25% of his uh, snaps at Purdue come from the slot. He's able to go out and do that. And he's got a contested catch rate that's right up there with Michael Mayer's as well. So he's somebody that he can work the seams. He can work as an inline blocker. He can do some H-back stuff. I mean, this guy took a fullback diver about the senior bowl as well, just for a good <laughs> measure. So I think there's a lot of versatility there. Somebody that uh, Kellen Moore would have a lot of fun with. And, you know, he's not the most explosive athletic tight end in this class. You know, a lot of those guys will go earlier than him. Uh, but when it comes to, you know, day three, if the Chargers have not missed, if, if they have not been able to find a tight end, Payne Durham I, is somebody I think would, you know, come in and really be able to marry the run game in the past game like Brandon Staley has talked about a lot this offseason. So he's, he, he plays like somebody whose name is Payne. Like he wants to <laughs> hurt you as much as he possibly can within the, the legal rules of football. So he's somebody who's a lot of fun to watch. And I think he checks a good amount of boxes for teams who want like a day three physical blocking tight end who can also offer some receiving upside as well. Yeah, he's on my list of my guys. I wasn't sure how many we'd get to, but Payne Durham was one of those guys. Um, and also just an underrated guy. There are, are several yeah. tight ends in this class. Maybe it's because of the tight end class overall, but these guys are really, really solid. And I totally get that. But Durham isn't all that different than than most of them. And frankly, I think he's better than some of them yet you see him at 180 or 200 on boards, and I just don't buy that. And that was a great comparison to Michael Mayer. I believe the difference between them and yards after the catch per reception is 0.2 yards. Maybe I'm making that up. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but neither of them are exactly yak guys, not speed guys, maybe not like a Will Mallory type, for example, but both really solid players. And I, I love that way of looking at things. Um, I know Brett Coleman, for example, and them on the Bootleg Football Podcast, they do an other guy's sort of thing where if you can't get this guy in round one, round two, who can you get later? And Payne Durham is a guy I always circle back to. If I don't get someone in the first three rounds, I can always get Payne Durham two rounds later and feel almost just as good. Yeah, I think when it comes to the Chargers specifically, you know, we know that, <clears throat> excuse me, Gerald Everett is going to be that uh, big wide receiver almost. He can he can block for sure, you know, in that regard. Uh, Donald Parham does a lot of the inline stuff too, but they need somebody who can 
you know, add some 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 oomph in terms of the blocking game, and I think Payne Durham would do that. I think Michael Mayer would do that as well for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, so let's get to uh, the bulk of our show here. Uh, you know, and that is our final mock draft of the cycle. We're going to try and attack this with a, a predictive sense in terms of just instead of picking guys that we all really like. You know, we are going to try and you know put our Tom Telesco, Brandon Staley caps on. And figure out potentially who might be, uh, you know, the the ultimate pick come Thursday night, Friday night. We're also going to talk about some trade down selections as well if that ultimately comes up. So, um, Tyler, let's get let's get started here. I can't wait to uh, do our final mock draft of the cycle. Absolutely, here we go. All right, so let's go over really quickly who uh, came off the board before the Chargers uh, picked, and then we'll look at some of the options that are on the board. Hmm. Some guys that uh, went off the board, one of them being Zay Flowers, went to the Seahawks at 20. So there goes that entire discussion. Dalton Kincaid at 18 to the Lions. That's a lot of fun. Uh, Miles Murphy to the Packers. Quentin Johnston to the Patriots. Hmm. And Jackson Smith and Jigba to the Titans, which hurts my soul a bit, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, and then Lucas Van Ness to the Eagles, which I believe is picking up some steam. So if you want to talk about who is left... And we're looking at, of course, Bijan Robinson, Jordan Addison, Brian Branch, Michael Mayer, Kalijah Kansi, Brian Brzee, uh, Jameer Gibbs, and Will McDonald. That feels like kind of the cutoff there for guys they'd be looking at. Yeah, so this is an interesting scenario. I do think Will Levis, who's on the board here, uh, will ultimately be off the board at this point. Um, but this is exactly what you're looking for in terms of potential trade down scenarios, right? Like mm-hmm. I think a lot of us would have a hard time of them trading off of Bijan Robinson. Uh, but maybe in this instance, you could call the Buffalo Bills and say, hey, come offer us your third round pick. We'll move down and we can maybe get some kind of impact player uh, at, at 27. You know, the Cowboys, of course, need a running back in the post Ezekiel Elliott world. So um, I, I think a lot of like I said, me personally, I would have a hard time passing on Bijan Robinson in this kind of scenario. But I do think, you know, having him, Jordan Addison, Darnell Wright, these guys who some of these teams in the back half of the 20s might be vying for might be a a, a real possible trade down scenario which brandon staley and tom telesco have talked about a few times in this cycle so far yeah i don't know all the needs of every team but someone like the the bills like you mentioned is a great call for addison someone like um darnell Wright, maybe michael mayer depending on what the Bengals want so there there are definitely some options there i would love to slide to about 27 or later so 27 28 29 30 um read Daniel Popper's article from The Athletic. Yeah. Plenty of different scenarios there. So in most instances, like I'm screaming to trade down because I would love to trade down. The Chargers need it. You know, Herbert's about to get his big deal at some point. Yeah. Um, and you're going to need more rookies. And frankly, if all you did was get a sixth rounder out of trading down, I'd be happy because look at who the Chargers have taken in the sixth round the last couple of years. I mean, I'd love to get another shot at a Jamari Salyer or Jaw Taylor like they just did this past season. So, yep. you know, of course, I'd like more than that. I would love a top 75 pick. I'd love a third rounder. But even if you trade down a little bit, um, I'd be happy with that. With that said, if Bijan Robinson is here at 21, I do not believe for one second the Chargers would move off of that pick. Yeah, this is something that we've talked a lot about in terms of the athletic aspect of how the Chargers do business in the first round in particular. And you look at 
how important the athletic testing is to the Chargers, and mm-hmm. we've seen that over the past few years. Past few past few years, whether that's obviously the recently Zion and Rashawn Slater, but also Kenneth Murray was an elite RAS tester. You know, Derwin James, obviously another elite RAS score for himself. So the Chargers have really prior, prioritized elite athleticism in the first round. I think it's one of the reasons why they've been able to have a lot of success in the first round under Tom Telesco. Mm-hmm. And you've pointed this out several times as well. Like ideally in the first round, you're looking for a player who has that combination of, of the a- athletic testing of the character of the um, elite film, so to speak. And also, you know, like the position value we can talk about, but um, you know, I think of the players on this board, the only one who checks all of those boxes is Bijan Robinson. Like mm-hmm. I, I know that there's a lot of people out there who kind of devalue the running back position and, you know, the chargers have Austin Eckler and, and we can certainly talk about that, that as well. But to me, if Bijan's on the board, like that's a no brainer. I'm sprinting that card in because he checks so many boxes for them. And yes, you could point it from a, well, this is taking the ball out of Justin Herbert's hands, so to speak. But both Eckler and Bijan Robinson can work as, as, as receivers. You know, um, the, the coaches at Texas wanted to really emphasize Bijan's ability to, to run routes from, from the receiving room. And when you have a guy like Roshan Johnson as, as your running mate, like you're able to do that. But, mm-hmm. you know, there are some reps against oh, Iowa State in particular where he's in the slot running a post route, right? Or against Alabama where he's running a wheel route from the backfield. And I think that Kellen Moore would have so <laughs> much fun being able to utilize Bijan Robinson as a chess piece, not just a, a stereotypical running back. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how a lot of anti running back types really need to view Bijan. He's not just like, he's not a ground and pound running back. Like he can do so many different things for you. So ultimately, if he is on the board for the Chargers, I think you absolutely have to sprint this card in and select him. I would 100% agree. And in this case, you know, if there's an edge rusher here, different conversation. But I, I just don't believe that. I mean, there's a lot of connections to Addison, of course. I like the player a lot. Both of us yeah. do. Um, he would be an excellent addition to the Chargers. I just, they have to show me that they're willing to change the way they've drafted or signed receivers in the past for me to believe that they'll actually do this. So if they take Addison or they take Zay Flowers, if he's there, I'll go, hey, okay, now I know that they are willing to do that. But, you know, someone like Zay Flowers with height or Addison, I mean, Jordan Addison, their their prototype at wide receivers, I think like 203 pounds. Um, and that's including Kellen Moore's receivers as well. And Jordan Addison is 171. That's one pound lighter than Travis Benjamin. No shade. Like, hey, cool, light, heavy, whatever. It's just not what the Chargers have been doing in the draft. Now, I get it. Why would they do the same things they've been doing? Why would they go after another you know, bigger type. Um, I, I totally get those questions, but until the Chargers are ready to look at the receiver position differently, or at least in terms of the guys that they select or sign, I got to assume that Addison, while a fantastic player, is not really as much in consideration here. And frankly, I do believe there's enough guys later on where I'm okay passing on him, of course, Branch. So yeah, to me, this is Bijan Robinson. Yeah, I think if you trade down and Addison's still there, I, I think that becomes more of a conversation. But uh, in this instance, we're going to take Bijan and be very happy with this pick. <laughs> yeah, listen, we're just, we're just pandering to the new audience who found us on here. If we didn't pick Bijan, we'd be kicked <laughs> off the, the stream immediately. So, um, yeah, you know, and, it, and if it's it. right, and it fits with the the theme channel, right? We know Matt Money Smith and Chris Harry love the the potential of adding Bijan Robinson as well. 
Absolutely. All right, so uh, pick 54 here. Let's look at some players recently off the board. Obviously, Tui, Tui Pelotu right there for the Bears. Um, and then we'll look at Adetumiwa, Adeboare, Cody Mock, the offensive tackle from Notre, from North Dakota State. Almost said Notre Dame there. Uh, Felix Anderdike Uzama, who's somebody I, I would really like to be there at 54. Steve Avila, Keon White, Bijan Ojolari. So lots, or not Bijan, BJ Ojolari. Uh, so a little bit of a run on edge rusher here. So, um, Ty, let's go. Let's look at some options here at 54. Okay, so some of the options available in terms of the consensus board: linebacker Drew Sanders, running back Zach Charbonnet, um, safety Antonio Johnson, edge rusher Isaiah Foskey. There's your Notre Dame connection. Julius Brents, who would be awesome here as well. Uh, edge rusher Derek Hall, who I do believe fits some of their physical prototypes. Mm-hmm. Um, Keanu Benton is getting a lot of buzz. Sam Laporta, of course. Um, so a lot of really good players here. Um, we can specifically look at a different position if you want, but those are the guys early in the consensus board. Yeah, let's look at wide receiver because I know that there's a, a lot of love out there for this wide mm-hmm. receiver class too. So looks like we got your guy Cedric Tillman on here, Marvin Mims, who we <laughs> mentioned briefly on the show earlier, uh, Tank Dell, that's Nathaniel Dell, um, Tyler Scott, Jonathan Mingo, A.T. Perry, Jaden Reed. So this is really why I, I'm a big proponent personally of not taking a wide receiver in the first round. Because mm-hmm. you can get a board like this and have a lot of different options here. So, um, Tyler, where are you potentially focusing at in terms of wide receiver for the Chargers here? Uh, there's been something in my brain for weeks now, and it's only gotten worse and worse. Uh, that's Jonathan Mingo here. Although, when we last did our mock draft with Chargers Wire, I was like, yeah, I can wait for him in the fourth round. That's fine. He'll be there. Uh, now Daniel Jeremiah is talking about him as a potential first rounder mm-hmm. uh i don't know if that's going to happen but there are there are so many receivers even just looking here there are so many re- good receivers here i'm sure josh downs went a bit earlier too there's so many good receivers here but they all have some size question marks even if you love some of these players i have marvin mims over jonathan mingo right i, I have mm-hmm. Tillman over mingo obviously um these guys are great players but you worry about that size profile to me Mingo just checks so many of the Chargers boxes, both in terms of the physical profile, as well as just kind of what they're lacking. And I'm, I'm obviously going for Mingo here, so I might as well talk about him. <laughs> um, if you, Unfortunately, on screens last season, I noticed that Josh Palmer had a concussion on one and Keenan Allen fumbled against the Chiefs on another one. And Mike Williams fractured his back on another screen. Um, I'd love for Mingo to try those out because I do think he presents a physical type in terms of speed and twitch that I think is maybe more desirable for those situations. Um, He hit, as someone posted today, 22.1 miles per hour, I believe, which was 99th percentile. It was that go ball against Vanderbilt, which of course the quarterback underthrew. Um, He caught it at the one yard line. So good for him, but wasn't a touchdown there. Yeah. Um, You want a shallow crosser, some guy with yak, some guy who can take a screen you name it. I can point you to any different part of a film of the film on some different game where he's doing something that I just think the chargers are lacking at this point. And you get to continue to have your Keenan on do what he does. And Mike Williams do what he does. And Josh Palmer can continue to develop someone like Mingo. You can add to the room and do so much with him without having to compromise, you know, the development of a Josh Palmer or the investment you've made in Keenan and Mike Mingo is someone who can round out your room, do so many things for you. While again, not compromising the investments you've made in the receiver position. If anything, it just complements it perfectly. Yeah, from a size profile standpoint, from a physical profile standpoint, Mingo definitely stands out in this class. 
Um, you know, his ability to get vertical against press and against off coverage is really something that has stood out to me. Um, he was a big senior bowl standout as well. And we know that uh, mm-hmm. it, that is a very important aspect to the Chargers and how they do business under Tom Telesco. So um, Mingo is definitely in consideration here. I do want to look briefly at the cornerback class. Um, if we could go to that group, obviously DJ Turner, Julius Brents, um, Tyreek Stevenson, Clark Phillips here. So um, Darius Rush, my guy who I mentioned earlier today. So this is a, a really stacked cornerback group. And, you know, we have kind of talked about the potential of the Chargers looking at cornerback earlier than people might think because mm-hmm. of Michael Davis being a free agent next year, because of J.C. Jackson potentially starting the year not at 100%. So, I mean, he's been looking great in his uh, recovery videos. He posted a video earlier uh, last week of him running for the first time. So hoping for the best there, but from the Chargers perspective, you know, we know how much Brandon Staley values cornerback here. Um, so I'm tempt I'm really tempted to take Julius Brents from Kansas State, the cornerback who could give them just a, a different kind of size profile, physicality profile at the cornerback position, could be your heir apparent to Michael Davis uh after next season. So uh I I would my heart would tell me Mingo, but I do think there's a little part of my brain that's saying like, hey, the Chargers might look at cornerback in this in this scenario too. Yeah, Brent's is definitely that player if he falls that I think they would certainly consider just a physical prototype again at the position, someone that they would look at and say, hey, that's that kind of fits what we want to do. And he doesn't have to be the guy day one, that sort of thing. So it really just comes down to the big question of how is JC progressing? Is he going to be available by week four? In which case you have three starters or is this going to be an entire season of him not getting you know, completely healthy yet? Then maybe heading into the postseason, he's finally got the reps underneath him. I don't know um, if it were a more catastrophic, I guess, a, a worse outlook prognosis for one JC Jackson then maybe I would consider uh, Brent's here more over Mingo. Um, but I, I'm still looking at receiver at this point. Although there is a decent shot you can get Mingo in this simulation. You can get him in round three. So I wouldn't mind doing that because Brent's isn't going to be there in round three. In the simulation, Mingo is going to be there or potentially could be there in yeah. round three. But if you look at ESPN's analytics model, there's only an 8% chance that Mingo is going to be there in round three. So even though on this board... He's 84th or whatever he is. There's only an 8% chance he's going to be there. Now, do you have to take Mingo? Is your entire draft built around taking him? I don't think so. I just, I have a hard time passing up someone who fits the Chargers, I think, so well and checks all of their boxes. Because as we get to, you know, some later points, yes, there are some guys who fit their physical prototype. Let's say A.T. Perry or even later, like um, Bryce Ford Wheaton. Those guys fit what they're looking for. I just don't know that that complements the room. And then yeah. I don't really know if someone like Mims or Tyler Scott or Tank Dell are some of the Chargers would be interested in. So to me, it's wide receiver or it's corner, um, maybe an edge rusher if he's here. Someone like Isaiah Foskey, you know, I, who I think should be talked about more as sure. an option for the Chargers. I know people aren't a huge fan, but hey, productive player, um, fits their prototype, fits what they would want. Went yeah. to Notre Dame, is really good against the run. I would understand why they took him here too. Um, so really what we're talking about here is a premium position after running back. You have to invest in those premium positions because that's important. And we saw last year, the chargers, yeah. you know, not have the hottest season because of, you know, corner deficits or edge rushers or um, wide receivers. So I think investing in either of those here is great. 
Uh, I'll defer to you on this one. If you want Brent, I'm totally happy with that. He's ahead of Mingo on my big board, so I would get it. So I'll defer to you on this one. Yeah, uh, really quickly in terms of the edge rushers, I think uh, if you miss out on the first one in a first rounder, I think you probably are waiting and maybe you know calling Kyle Vanoy back up after the draft and saying mm-hmm. like, hey, come mm-hmm. come back. We'll we'll do the same thing with you as as last year, and then you address your long term need there later on in the draft or, or next year. So for me, like I'm trying to become a more explosive team and that mm-hmm. that can be accomplished through getting a cornerback who can give you some more interceptions, more hands on the footballs. Um, or you can talk about a wide receiver. So I know that he's lower. I do think that Mingo would ultimately be uh, a strong consideration here and just, you know, take this offense up a completely different notch with B. John Robinson and Mingo. So it's not going to give us the best draft grade here, but um, with how much smoke there is about him potentially being like even a first round first round player, yeah. if you want Mingo, you got to take him at 54. And I think both of us feel the same way that we, we really want Mingo on this offense. Yeah, this is a player that was in like the 150s a month and a half ago, and now he's already yeah. at 84. And I'm sure he'll keep creeping up into the 70s by the time we get to draft night. I'm happy with Mingo here. Yeah, Go watch it. some of him. He's fantastic. C plus. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah, my math grade. Let's do this. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the only C plus I ever got in high school was, uh, in pre-calculus. So, you know, math is hard. Oh, okay. The only C plus, sorry. Some of I was, I was a B student. One. I was a B student. I was not like a 4.0 guy, but you know, I could do just enough. All right, um, all right, let's, uh, let's look at some, again, some options here. We'll pick up the pace a little bit now that we're through mm-hmm. the top 50 options here. Uh, you can see on your screen here for those, uh, watching, um, Sean Tucker, it looks like there's a bit of a running back run here. Um, mm-hmm. so that is the case here. Um, Tyler Scott, the wide receiver, wide receiver from Cincinnati still on the board. Um, he's a smaller guy, but I think he could help the chargers and, and potentially give them some return ability as well. Um, I saw Tyreek Stevenson, the cornerback from Miami there, um, Tucker Kraft, the tight end from South Dakota. So some good options here. Again, I, I do think the offensive playmaker, uh, standpoint, it, I love day two in terms of adding to the offense. So, um, Tyler, where are you looking at here? I know we've talked about potentially adding a defensive line in round three or maybe, you know, a, a center of the future is something that Chargers fans have really kind of highlighted. So where are you at here with uh, pick 85? Yeah, I, if I didn't take a DB before. I've got to take one pretty soon. And it, it certainly depends on who's there. I think both of us have Antonio Johnson over Jartavius Martin. Um, but Johnson here, Martin here, even Sidney Brown here to an extent. I think Chris Smith definitely fits the free safety prototype for Brandon Staley. And of course, working or playing for Georgia, Mm -hmm. that makes sense. I didn't watch battle, so I can't actually comment on him. Um, But here, you know, a corner would be good. You watch Stevenson and Williams. so I'd have to defer to you on that one. Of course, Hodges Tomlinson is there, but I don't think that's where they'd go here. So to me, I do think we have to go defense. I do think you can wait just a tiny bit more for tight end. um, If we didn't get one of those first crop of guys or second crop of guys, Edge rusher on this board is a bit dicey. Zach Harrison is an athlete for sure, but doesn't quite fit um, what the Chargers are looking for. So the yeah. best players available here, I, I think, are the safeties and maybe Tucker Craft. Um, I do think Javon Dexter is in play for them. Not the longest arms, but he's very, very tall and great against the run. So I think that's in consideration. Uh, but to me, I, I'd love a defensive back here. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I think at this point you are, uh, again, doing the, the Kyle Van Oy thing in terms of the edge rushers because – I think Zach Harrison, we both really like him, but mm-hmm. um, it doesn't really like fit, so to speak, like a 3-4 outside linebacker edge type. Right. 
that obviously the Chargers will be running here. So uh, I'm going to the cornerback room. I, I think there is a chance you could maybe see them reach for like a Caillou Blue Kelly in this instance. I think he is pretty similar to like a Jaw Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the ability to potentially take Tyreek Stevenson, who's a, a bigger, more physical corner. Maybe put him in the slot full time. That is something he did at Georgia. Maybe put him as a hybrid safety slot kind of player here. Give the Chargers some more size in the slot. So um, that's something that we've really focused in on in this class is is getting more size into the room uh, alongside Michael Davis. And I think Tyreek Stevenson could check that box. And then next year, you know, you put him outside in, in place of, of Michael Davis. So I, I'm, I'm going with uh, Tyreek Stevenson here if, if that's my choice. Sounds good. I believe you. Uh, it sounds like he's great. <laughs> I did not watch him, but I, I defer to you, and we're not typically too far off anyway. So, yeah, Stevenson for me sounds good to me. All right, let's go corner here, um, and then fourth round is going to be really interesting to see how the board plays out. Again, we do not, we have not taken a tight end at this point. Um, Chargers do need some interior offensive line help as well as some interior defensive line help at this point too. So, uh, going to be interesting to see who ultimately is on the board at this point. So. Uh, for our audio audience so far, we got B. John Robinson in the first round, Jonathan Mingo, the wide receiver from Ole Miss in the second round, and the cornerback from Tyreek Stevenson just now at pick 85. All righty. Thank you for your trade offers. We're not going to take them. All righty. <laughs> um, okay, so we have our running back, we have our wide receiver, we have our corner. I'm glad we took a defensive back. I'm curious yeah. how they feel about the safety room overall, especially in terms of free safety. Um, but at this point, let's look at the tight ends. Luke Schoonmaker, Zach Coons, I think, are, are both in mm. play here, obviously. Yeah. I almost feel like the Chargers would prefer Schoonmaker here over Coons, even if he maybe has a higher grade. Um, but Schoonmaker is more that traditional inline blocking type. Coons, I think, can do that. And it's not like it wasn't his role, but I trust Schoonmaker for that more. And so I think that they might be looking at him here in terms of tight end. Uh, who else is available? We have our receiver, but you could consider Jaden Reed, uh, corner Eli Ricks. Mm. Um, I will say really quickly, sorry to cut you off. Uh, Nick Herbig from Wisconsin is interesting to me. Mm. Um, He has played some edge rusher at Wisconsin. He's kind of um, that kind of profile that Wisconsin really likes to do. So they, they kind of do like a three, three, five defense that's, that's in vogue. So he can play off the ball. He can play as an edge rusher. That might be kind of like a Kyle Van Noy replacement in terms of, of somebody Mm -hmm. younger. Um, you know, Drew Sanders is probably that guy earlier. If you want to take one earlier at maybe 54. Um, so Nick Herbig is at least worth talking about for me. I don't know if you've watched him yet, but he does have some of that Kyle Van Noy versatility that I think would, uh, kind of fill a role for them. Yeah. I have not watched him. What is his RAS profile? Do you know? Cause it tends to be that range, that fourth, fifth round range where Telesco takes an athletic, not that he's a linebacker, but, um, linebacker. So, okay. Not the tallest guy, but good yeah. speed grade. Don't get much on him there. Didn't do a lot of testing. Um, okay, interesting. I have not watched Herbig, so maybe I'll just defer to you again. <laughs> I think it's worth talking about. I'm not taking a linebacker here if that's my wish. <laughs> oh, okay. Then move on. We can find some other guys later. I do like some more of the athletic linebackers later too. Yeah, um, I think at this point, we're, I would ideally look at an interior offensive lineman or an interior defensive lineman. Okay. A little beef up the middle if we could. Yeah, definitely. So interior offensive line, Voorhees can't contribute this year, so I get it, yeah. but also I'm worried. Um, Strongberg is a guy of the future. Braden Daniels, there's your guy. Um, John Gaines, again, 226th odd there. Uh, yeah, McClendon Curtis, who they've done a lot of homework mm-hmm. in terms of the, the Chargers scouts there. Um, 
I think the Chargers need some more pass rush from the interior, so I'm pretty interested in taking a shot on Moro Ojomo. Um, I, I think the film can be a little choppy at times, but you just mentioned, you know, athletic profile, somebody that could come in and learn from Morgan Fox. So I would say him or one of the one of the guards like Gaines or Braden Daniels. Okay, well, you are the resident trenches guy, so once again, I will defer to you on this one. Oh, come on. I don't want this to be... You decide. It depends, because do I want to get a tackle? Let me take out the tackles real quick. Like, would we go for Nick Saldaveri instead? I almost feel better about that, because I think Mm. the Chargers need a tackle more than someone like an interior offensive lineman. Not that Saldaveri can't do it. He did it last year against Virginia. Um I'd be more comfortable with that than an interior offensive lineman. And the, the D tackles here, I'm not a huge fan of. Um, not that there's a you know great, I don't know most of these guys past them. So maybe you like some of these guys better, but I'd kind of rather go with someone like Saldaveri, who we talked about before, checks a lot of boxes for the Chargers, especially here in round four. Yeah, uh, smaller school tackle for sure. Um, but has a lot of uh, things like we just highlighted him earlier on our show this mm-hmm. week. Um, so okay, let's do, let's do Saldaveri. Let's do uh, an offensive tackle for the for the Chargers to back up Trey Pipkins and Rashawn Slater. Cool, sounds good. I mean, it's it was rough last year uh, without <laughs> some investment, let's say. So um, I'd be happy with that. Yeah. All righty then. Well, we don't know. All right, Tyler, else. what are you thinking here? We uh, again have not taken a tight end yet. Zach Koontz is right there. Um, I see Dorian Williams, the athletic linebacker from, uh, I'm totally blanking right now, Tulane. Tulane. Um, KJ Henry uh, as well, edge rusher from Clemson. So what are you thinking here? I Because this is the last round I'm going to get him, I would consider Zachary Coons here. But do you feel like he's enough of an inline blogger to distinguish himself? I guess in the fifth round it doesn't matter as much. Um, but do you feel like he's enough of a fit? Considering- I would say he's he's more of a big slot right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's six, seven, he's 250 pounds. I think you could, uh, get the tight end coaching staff to work with him a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. he certainly has the, the profile to become a, a blocker and, you know, we've seen Donald Parham's make some real strides there. So can you pull up the whole tight end tab and let's see who, who ultimately is there in general. So, um, Brenton strange, more of kind of your Steven Anderson type of tight end. If you're looking for that guy. Um, same with Braden Willis, Cameron Latu, I think are, are, are similar types there. Uh, Payne Durham, who I talked about. So Zach Koontz in terms of an athletic profile standpoint, I think in, with the tight end position, you generally want to take chances on day three guys who have, you know, high athletic profiles and Zach Koontz is quite literally the most athletic tight end <laughs> at the combine history. So yeah. I'm cool with taking Koontz here. Cool. Let's do it. So, uh, reuniting Salivari and Zach Koontz here in this mock draft. Yeah, and, um, oh gosh, who's the tight end currently on the roster? Converted quarterback. Oh, Stone Smart, that's right. There you go. There you go. So we're, we're pumping up the Old Dominion pipeline now. <laughs> yeah, you know, Georgia, LSU, Old Dominion. Right. All right, so we got uh, sixth round here and seventh mm-hmm. round. Um, I would say maybe let's take a, a glance at edge rusher and see if our guy Nick Hampton is there. All right, so mm-hmm. there he is. Uh, if you're a fan of Nolan Smith, I think you should be a fan of Nick Hampton on day three. Um, so that's a pretty quick one for me, Tyler. I know you like Nick Hampton as well. 
Yeah, that's fine by me. I don't know if he fits their physical prototypes as much, but he's kind of a tweener in terms of edge rusher, linebacker type. They had him blitzing from the slot sometimes, so mm-hmm. um, a lot you can do. You know, Robert Beal Jr., because the Georgia connection, maybe the Chargers would consider that because that fits more of their prototype. Um, but I think Nick Hampton here in terms of what he can do, and just frankly in terms of the upside in film, like he's a third-round grade for me, and we're talking about round six here. I'm happy with him. I know somewhere Gavino Bork has some Chargers wires cheering. I'm cool with Nick Hampton. Yeah, let's do that one. Cool. Go watch the North Carolina game, guys. It was, it yes, was fun. Absolutely. All right. I think this is uh, obligatory time to talk about a potential QB2 of the future. We'll see how that board oh, pans out. Steven. But... <laughs> <sighs> um, you know, with, with Hampton, though, I feel good about potentially not taking a linebacker here. Because mm-hmm. um, he can, like you said, he can kind of do both of those things. We have not taken a running back yet either, so I definitely want to glance. We there. took Bijan. Oh, we took Bijan. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, he's not just a running back. Yes, That's why not just a yes. running back. Okay, so let's look at quarterback, and then let's let's take a glance at adding a potential return receiver there instead. Okay, uh, I haven't watched a single quarterback, nor have I watched college football even live. So how about <laughs> it? <laughs> Uh, we, well, we know the Chargers have met with Max Duggan at the pro day, according to, uh, shoot, what is his name right now? Um, uh, Miss Slater, who covers the, the Cowboys for NFL network, um, Stetson Bennett, I think for obvious reasons, probably off the Chargers board. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if they do take a quarterback, it would probably be Max Duggan here. Um, but we also know the Chargers are trying to replace DeAndre Carter. So let's take a quick glance at a wide receiver. Okay. So wide receiver, I haven't. I don't know much about all the returners. Darius Davis, obviously, is somebody um, we've talked about. If he's here, Malik Knowles, but it looks like he's gone. So never mind. Really I'm far down. Knowles. I think I just saw him. Nope, I think he is gone. I think somebody snatched him up. Well, there goes that one. He's gone. All right, interesting. Moving up the board here, so. Uh, Jalen Cropper from Fresno State is interesting to me. I mm-hmm. think he would be gone much sooner than this, mm-hmm. um, but that's probably where I would go here. Yeah, is he the one who played with Kellen Moore's brother? Yes, him and uh, Nico Remigio is also on the board, played with Kellen Moore's uh, younger brother at Fresno State. So Jalen Cropper is definitely more of a refined receiver. He could be somebody who goes much earlier than this. Mm-hmm. Um, because his, his ability as, as, as an explosive receiver, mostly from the slot at Fresno state, Remigio is like straight up, like special teams only. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. so Cropper gives you a little bit of both here. Uh, Darius Davis, if he's on the board, I, I can remember if he was there or not, but same kind of thing. I think he gives you a little bit of both. So, um, Landers from Arkansas definitely fits the physical profile. He's like six, four runs a four two nine mm-hmm. or whatever, just some, something crazy. So. Uh, I'll let you pick this one, Tyler. Yeah, Landers, if I, we didn't go for a bigger receiver early on and I wanted to find someone with more size, that'd be Landers. Not the thickest looking guy, but he's still 200 pounds. He just happened to be six four and a half or whatever he is. An outstanding blocker. One of my favorite blockers in the entire draft. So if Ryan Fickham is looking for someone who has some returner potential but can also block as well on special teams, that'd be great. You know, because the kickoff return, the blocking maybe it wasn't the greatest like the overall numbers for the kickoff returns because of carter because of blocking whatever weren't so great last year so i could see them upgrading there um it was joshua kelly and xander horvath blocking but then kelly sort of got hurt and i think or took on a bigger role as well um horvath got hurt as well so at some point it was michael bandy out there so they definitely could trust a receiver out there again with someone like uh, matt landers although he's very different receiver 
than Michael Bandy. But um, because of the connection to Kellen Moore, or his brother, I should say, um, and because of what you said about Cropper, I'm happy to go with him. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. I feel really good about this draft, although maybe some players who uh, might not be at this specific spot. So uh, sure. just to recap here quickly, I know we're running a little bit short on time. We've got B. John Robinson in the first round. Jonathan Mingo, the receiver from Ole Miss at 54. Tyreek Stevenson, the corner from uh, Miami at 85. Nick Saldaveri, offensive tackle from Old Dominion at 125. Reuniting him with his former teammate, Zach Kuntz, uh, the tight end at 156. Nick Hampton, pass rusher slash linebacker from uh, Appalachian State. I know Daniel Jeremiah probably happy about that one. Uh, and then Jalen Cropper, <laughs> the wide receiver uh, from Fresno State at 239. So, uh, Tyler, how are you feeling about this draft? Great. I'm so excited for everyone to agree with us 100%. The good news is we took <laughs> B. John Robinson, so I think we're okay. Yeah. Like our, our floor is a beam plus here, I think. Yeah, but absolutely. I, I, yeah, I, I do really like this group overall. I do like the idea that also that we're just pursuing, I don't know about Cropper specifically, but most of these guys have very solid, if not elite, RAS scores, which is really good too. I think finding some of these guys who are also great athletes, like, oh, you know, being a good athlete in the NFL, good idea, Tyler. Um, but I do think that that was nice to consider. Like these are also good players, good prospects at their positions, but they're also high-end athletes too, guys who clock in. I mean, geez, Nick Coon, or Zach Coon, excuse me, you know, 10 RAS, that sort of thing. So yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. And it, we've come a long way from kind of just guessing on, on three players from our first mock. So yeah, I like this one. Yeah, definitely put in a lot of work to uh, make this happen. So I feel good about this. I'm excited to see none of these picks ultimately come to fruition <laughs> outside of There'll be maybe one. Jonathan Mingo. Mingo definitely I feel more confident about happening than than the other selections on here. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's our first episode on the Chargers channel. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Again, make sure and subscribe to the channel here and make sure and subscribe to our channel on the Guilty as Charged podcast where you can find that uh, anywhere you find your podcast. So Tyler, appreciate your time tonight. Again, cannot thank the Chargers enough for uh, reaching out to us and making this partnership happen. We are so excited to uh, be on your feeds uh, as the listeners, as the viewers on Tuesdays from now on. Uh, it's going to be a great uh, partnership with, with us and them, and I'm excited to be able to be a part of the family. So I uh, cannot thank them again, again enough, and we will see you guys next week for our draft recap where we will ultimately look at some grades for the how the Chargers draft panned out. So we'll see you then. That's going to do it. We'll be right back.